0: Power. You're in the dog zone for an hour.
1: Come on. Come on, you know the number. One nine hundred, one nine nine hundred hot dog. One nine zero zero zero, one nine hundred, hot dog. One nine hundred, one nine hundred, hot dog. One nine zero zero zero. Yeah, nine thousand.
0: Welcome to the dog zone, nine thousand. The podcast for 1900hotdog.com, the final destination website. And by that, I mean we cheated death and it is now hunting us. I'm falling pane of glass, Sean, baby. And I'm here with a flying barbed wire fence, trisecting a man who is now slowly falling into parts. Robert Brockway.
2: <laughs> I think I watched the wrong thing for this podcast, because if that's a reference <laughs> to something in this, I, I must. If that was when I got up to go to the bathroom. I'm going to be real interested to see which part that is, though. Uh, I'm Robert Brockway. Here's a Brockway fact. I once called Mario Lopez the dried cicada husk left where a man once was, and uh he just quietly liked the tweet. That's no follow up questions. I have no Re- follow up questions. I'm scared to explore that. Like that was that was <laughs> terrifying to see. Just Mario Lopez liked this tweet with no comment.
0: Did he like it or did like the insects flowing from his hands and eyes like the tweet?
2: That's what I'm saying. No follow up questions
0: yeah. or we're going to get uh, no, you're right. we're you're not right. prepared for. <laughs> we are joined by podcast favorite, co-founder and editor of Defector, a cascading calamity of logging truck accident, Dan McQuaid. Hey,
3: thanks. Welcome Thank back. you for having me. I apparently have Maria Lopez blocked on Twitter. I just went to look at him. I don't know if that was an accident or he just, there got to be a point where it's so Twitter got, I I really don't look at it as much anymore and I don't really tweet much anymore. But Mm. there's a point where like so much crap was being shoveled in front of me that I just block people instead of muting them. I think it's like one fewer click or something um you just really want so to hurt
0: mario lopez's feelings when like, he finds like
3: out my guess is that he tweeted some sort of dumb like politics shit or or
2: he's he's growing into a chud because he's always been uh, a soulless placeholder for like where a person should be <laughs> actually
3: you know what i'm looking at his his tweets now and they're all just like stolen memes and so i think that's why
0: i blocked them
2: yeah so he can't steal any of my tweets He's not a human being. He doesn't have thoughts.
0: <laughs> you got those uh, spicy memes. That's that's what they say about you, Dan McQuaid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I do have a tweet with like fifty thousand people might think that's real. I'm I'm fucking around.
3: I do have a tweet with that has fifty thousand retweets. It's it's very old. But oh yeah, yeah. It was about was it? Uh, uh, a spice. What was it about? Uh, it was when Linda McMahon was installed as head of the small business administration or whatever job she had. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was like a photo of her and the entire McMahon and, and, uh, Hunter Hearst, Helmsley, Stephanie families. And mm-hmm. I saw the photo, which was like, you know, an official white house photo or whatever. And I posted it, uh, like Steve Austin has hit the stone cold stunner on like 54% of the people in this photo, including the president. And it went like super viral.
2: That's like factually <laughs> it's accurate. Funny,
3: yeah, it is. It's yeah, true. yeah, yeah. And the, the, in fact, like AV Club did a story like fact checking me. I believe. Um, That's awesome. And and you uh, were right. Yeah, I was right. And some some uh, there's like an account like at 90s WWE that just like steals it once a month, but they have <laughs> hey, me no. blocked, so I cannot report it. It's actually a pretty like. <laughs> Like I'm like like at that Amazing. point, I'm like, all right. Like I definitely have complained about it in a story before, but now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm like, nah, you know what, they 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 outsmarted me. That's fine.
2: It happened to me with my <laughs> uh outsmarted. my most popular tweet too. Uh cracked the literally media, the company owned, cracked, fired me and everybody else and destroyed that site. Uh, but they run the the Icon has cheeseburger network, the the corpse of that network that Ooh. still shambles on. And after they fired me, I, I was more active on Twitter. I made a, a tweet about the, the, the Royal Hiddleston burpee, the man who invented the burpee. And mm-hmm. they, uh, they stole that tweet for their network. And like, they, they just reposted every <laughs> once in a while. It's <laughs> oh, yeah, like an cool. article. Hey, here's an article fleshing out a tweet. Not, <laughs> Not really. Fleshing like, out. They didn't add the any information to it. They just screencapped like, all the responses to it. And we're like, oh, wow. That's a good article. <laughs> that's, that's what a good uh, that's what my employer fired me to do.
0: <laughs> that is an incredible guy, though. Like, the, uh, let's get away from the tragedy of that of the media involved in that. But like, that dude kind of looks like the letter R. Like, he just sort of rebuilt himself into this this Pokemon monster.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he is inhuman. It's know. true. He's like he could hold some kind of devastating scream. Like if he had a superpower, it would be he would suck in all of the air and then like a sonic blast would come out of him.
0: Yeah, he's like a weird frame from a Popeye cartoon. I have to look up (laughs) what this guy... Oh yeah, he is like a weird Popeye. (laughs) He's like all (laughs) all ribcage, baby. (laughs) If Popeye like pulled his pants up and his like tummy hit him in the chin, he's like two frames right after that. I
3: googled his name and your tweet Came out, came up on Cheeseburgers
0: fail
2: blog which has funny fails. Amazing, (laughs) yeah, funny fucking fails. That's a really funny fail. That you're no, you don't give a shit. That's a
3: real epic bacon. Brockway (laughs) kind of looks like a Rob leafield character. He does. That That was that was one
2: of the things in the reply. Oh oh
3: oh! Now I feel
2: well. Well, I mean, a real human (laughs) made that joke, and then they stole it to monetize it. So that's fine. You're fine.
3: It's, oh, I again, like your follow up about the Burpee true. NFT. That's that's good.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
3: I like reading your tweets on a different website. There are a lot of like Instagram accounts where like they'll, it'll just be like, uh, like screenshots of tweets, and it's like, oh man, I'm trying to get away from that website. Like, can I just see some kittens? Or
2: I've started running it backwards and like grabbing my. Screen caps of things I do everywhere except Twitter and posting them on Twitter, which is not funny to anybody else except for me, uh, but I'm still doing it.
0: <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For the record, I enjoy it. I don't, I don't comment on it because I don't use Twitter much. But when I see I, it, I'm like, oh, that's I, I don't like see that. your
2: comments because I don't say I just post a thing and then I close.
0: Yeah. it. Instead of just plugging uh, our tweets that have appeared on other websites. Uh, Dan, what would you like to plug? Uh, so I am the visual editor at Defector Media, and I
3: feel like the last couple of times I was on here, I did not plug anything. So I have a couple of things to plug. Um, I wrote a story in November about um, there's these famous, at least famous here in Philadelphia, jackets or photos of Princess Diana wearing a Philadelphia Eagles jacket. Um, she wore them on like two, wore it on two separate occasions. In 1991, she wore it to pick up her kids from school or whatever. And then she wore it on some trip to, like, some amusement park type thing uh, in 1994, and she was actually on the cover of People wearing an Eagles jacket. Um, and M- Mitchell and Ness made, like, a replica of it, and it, like, sold out instantly, and it was, you know, like a big, there were, like, fights over it at the Eagles pro shop or whatever but there's always been a story well not well not always since 1997 this guy who worked for the eagles had always told a story that he met princess di at princess grace's funeral now a real great philadelphia story is that like a woman from here was like so hot and talented that This city now has a permanent connection to European royalty, uh, because Grace Kelly from Philadelphia married Prince Rainier and became Princess Grace. And then she died in a car crash. And this guy, Jack Edelstein, who worked for the Eagles, really was at her, at Grace Kelly's funeral because like the Eagles brass at the time lived in the same neighborhood where, uh, the Kelly family lived. Like the Kelly family is a famous Philadelphia family, like, you know, uh, like old, old time family here. And so he always tells her that, he always tells, he he started, like, after she died, he told this story to the newspaper uh, that, like, oh, he met her at the, uh, at the funeral, and she said her favorite colors were green and silver, and so he and the Eagles owner at the time sent her a custom-made jacket, and that is why she wore it. And I was just going to write about, like, how there were, like, I kind of knew that there were going to be fights uh, over this jacket, so I was going to just try to write about that, and then... I saw a guy on TV, uh, a guy Casey Pitticelli. I don't really know how to say his name. Um, he runs like a vintage, uh, like sports clothing shop, and that's like been very hot for a while. Like the, you know, like wearing a starter jacket from the '90s, you know, can be like four hundred dollars if you actually want one. Uh, and so he had gotten this jacket, and on the like TV segment, like the morning TV segment he was on, he's like, "Well, you know, they say it's custom, but like there's a maker like." you know, like tag on this jacket. And if you look at the photos of Princess Di, there's there's a maker tag on that jacket as well. And so I was like, huh, wonder if this guy just made it up. And then I thought about it and I was like, oh, he definitely made it up. And so I investigated and it turns out he did. Um, and so this story that had been like going around Philadelphia, like part of the lore uh, for, you know, since Princess Di died uh, is, not, is not true. Um, but I was able to actually find out the, I just, like, Googled, like, England like tabloid newspaper archive. And I found a story from a UK tabloid at the time that was like, Princess Di went to Harrods herself and bought the jacket. Um, so this is not a very exciting uh, scoop, like in, in one hand, but <laughs> on the other hand, like I did like. Debunk, on the other hand, uh, you killed
0: the Philadelphia Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah. This is a,
3: a long-held uh, myth. So and destroyed. it's like the article is like 3000 words. It goes all over the place, but I think it's a pretty entertaining article. Um, I also have a thing that should be running Friday. Now that one time I was on here and I said some article I was going to do, and then I just like, didn't finish it. Uh, like I have an interview with one of the guys from it on Monday and I'm going to try to do it like in a bit. But, uh, but I, uh, interviewed, uh, earlier today, uh, when we're recording this, uh, a man named James P wisdom. And he was like a very early reviewer for, uh, pitchfork the music website that this week was folded into gq who knows what's sort of going to happen with it um and his only good things i'm sure yeah yeah uh, guess? yeah i'm sure like, i mean like if media like anytime one thing is folded into another you just know that yeah
2: like he's gonna be on our podcast so she- soon that's all i'm gonna <laughs> say about it
3: and he um <laughs> he w- has written some like very n- notorious reviews some of them really bad which he you know said says as well uh but he's like never you know there's some early pitchfork reviews that are very like you know bad or like like you know trying to be funny and is bad or just like is real negative about an album that's now legendary and like I, I kind of like think that's, that's cool. And like, you know, I'm kind of, you know, like I read, so like I read this dude's review of a Moby album in like 1997 when I was in high school and I bought this Moby album based on his like two paragraph review. And like, it made me realize that like, I like electronic music. That's kind of like the thing that I like above. So like this random guy who's famous for writing terrible reviews, like, guided my musical taste more than anyone else in my life. So I just talked to him about like the end of Pitchfork and like what it's like being a a like notorious reviewer in some ways. A lot of his reviews have been like scrubbed from the site. They they got rid of a lot of early reviews when they, you know, they eventually did sort of like meandering pompous, you know, like 700 to 2000 word reviews on albums. Previously, they did, like, short, pompous, like, you know, two-paragraph reviews of albums. So a lot of those early ones are are uh, are are gone. But I think it's going to be a uh, – obviously, if I finish it, it'll be a, a fun story, I hope.
0: Um, today, we are talking about uh, a 1987 episode of The Golden Girls because all that Final Destination motif from earlier, that was a trick.
2: Okay. And if you fell Thank for God. it, death is now hunting you. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I thought I, like, maybe got up to go to the bathroom or something and missed the part where three panes of glass perfectly segmented Rue McClanahan in an episode of the- God, that would
0: be quite a surprise. Uh, I guess all these wonderful actresses are passed away now, so, um, but only after long lives and successful careers, so none of Some them were log massacred by a personification of death. Yeah, no <laughs> <laughs> log truck accidents. Um... I did clip the theme song just so we could start with that, just to kind of set the tone. It's, a, it's a a hauntingly song. beautiful, uh, barely related to the show, as was the style at the time. <laughs>
2: Thank you for being a friend. It's about friends, Sean. Down a <laughs> this and is so beautiful.
0: All-timer. All-timer. I just want people to hear it in case they're like, you know,
1: younger than forty and have
0: no idea what the show is. You
1: would see the biggest gift would be from me. And the card attached
2: would say, thank you for being afraid. B. She's Arthur beautiful. actually sang that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she is a gifted singer. She sang in the, of course, the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this. <laughs> And this. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, just the, like some high-level stuff. We should go over the characters for people who've never seen the show. I want to be respectful to our younger viewers, or people who didn't own a TV. Uh, so there's Dorothy, and she's a sarcastic wisecracker. Her mother is Sophia, and she's a pistol. Uh, there's Blanche Devereaux, who fucks, and Rose, who is a dumb shit. Um, so for the male listeners, Dorothy is the Vankman, Sophia is a Murdoch. Blanche is the quagmire, and Rose is the Johnny Drama.
2: Oh, we need a BA. <laughs> we need a BA Baracus in there. That's what's missing. When you break it down, I realized it. Wait. <laughs> no. That was Don Cheadle. That was Don Cheadle's yeah, role. Yeah. Don, was
0: to just Don Cheadle was really grouchy in, in the spin-off uh Golden Palace. Um, so we're doing an episode uh, written by Christopher Lloyd, not the actor, uh, but the writer who would go on to be the showrunner for Modern Family. So uh, a lot of Pedigree in this episode, Uh, and it opens with a. I want to say this is a timeless bit. Like this is just a rapid fire series of jokes, as hilarious today as they were in 1987. I I I clipped this. I want to just (laughs) want to just have everyone enjoy this. This is how sitcoms
3: transition. I love this. Like takes me back.
1: Sophia. Hi, girl. Well, you're all dressed up. Where are you going? The president is in town, so a bunch of us are going to his hotel to see his wife. I just loved her and Father Knows Best. Uh, Sophia, you're a little confused, honey. That was Jane Wyatt. The president was married to Jane Wyman. That old crow from Falcon Crest? Oh, got her. Just got it her. It doesn't matter. They're not married anymore. Now he's married to Nancy Davis. From All About Eve? That's Betty Davis. The one who beat her kids with wire hangers? <laughs> no, that up. was Joan Crawford. The fat cop from Highway Patrol? Mm, got him. That was Broderick Crawford. The president was married to Broderick Crawford? And Mondale still lost? What an idiot.
0: Oh. Incredible. In Crow- that is exactly what Dennis Miller will tell his grandchildren with his final breath. Like, word for word. <laughs>
2: I'm so glad we work in the field of comedy, which will last forever. Everybody will love our comedy generations yeah, to come. No,
0: some of the things I wrote sound about the same 20 years later.
2: But, I don't, um, yeah. but I don't that think was, you can just
3: go see the president. like He was shot like six years earlier or whatever. Really, yeah, it's his wife,
2: him. and they don't give a shit. Like, you, can, you can walk yeah. up and slap her in the back of the head. <laughs> uh, and I have.
0: <laughs> um, and who
2: hasn't? It's good luck.
0: <laughs> she cost me a childhood of cocaine. Um, okay, so it's Satan. What happens? What happens next? Uh, Blanche comes in in a sexy dress, and Sophia calls her a whore. That's literally exactly what happens. No, hold on. Uh, in can we, this episode, can we
2: explore that quote real quick. I'm not going to do this for every, every quote. I promise. But like, this is the opening moments of this show. This is yeah. it's that sequence of jokes that you just played. And then, uh, and then Blanche comes in in a dress—a perfectly reasonable dress, I should say. It's not low cleavage; it's knee length, has big shoulder pads. Sure. She says, "How's this dress look on me?" And Sophia says, "What's the difference?" In half an hour, it'll be crumpled on the floor next to an empty bottle of Jack Daniels, which is yeah. just disproportionately an- savage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's an it's an old entire joke, but. <laughs> A- with an added like alcohol Quite abuse element like just like, yeah a whole yeah, bottle just, like, why yeah give you her could, a black eye <laughs> why not Sophia you fucking bitch
2: right like you could you could, you could there's, there's tastefully implying like you sleep around and then yeah. there's die in a gutter you alcoholic whore yeah and that's like your first joke of the episode yep. outside of Broderick Crawford
3: Blanche kind of enjoys the joke she's like oh, yes
0: like she, yes. yeah yeah she loves it She's uh sex positive and abuse positive. But uh that interaction is like how she enters every scene for the next six years. <laughs> She'll just walk in, kind of in a like a going-out outfit, not like a sexy outfit. But um, and then Sophia just says, Yeah, you're gonna die to whore. Yeah, you fucking <laughs> uh okay, so now um Sophia leaves to meet the uh Nancy Reagan fan club. She just formed this very moment. Uh, and then Branch, Blanche uh, needs the earrings that Rose borrowed. Now, I'm only telling you this because that's the A-plot of the episode, and we will be calling back to that often. Um, there's some confusion, Rose is like, I put those earrings back, and Blanche is like, no, you lost them. Uh, I'm, of course, summarizing, but this conversation spanned four jokeless pages of the script.
2: I'm not kidding. Like, <laughs> <this> is, um, <laughs> there was a fascinating thing that happened in this, in that she says, very specifically, my silver earrings early on. And then, Mm -hmm. as she's trying to guilt trip uh, Dorothy, she says, "Those the earrings were fashioned out of the bullets that killed Great Granddad in the in the Civil War. So he was a racist werewolf.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's true.
0: That's true. He must be. God." What a fucking, what a layer to peel back. Here are my notes. I, uh, Blanche, co- she enters a different room, but Sophia's not there, so no one calls her a tramp. Instead, we see a 14-year-old Mario Lopez who tells her she's very pretty. Um, she says, you should see me if I had earrings, which calls back to the previous 45-minute <laughs> conversation that he didn't hear. So, <laughs> the show, the show no, it only took zero seconds for this show to just fucking drive right off a cliff. No one knows what's happening here. Uh, if an old woman said this to me, I would just assume she was on her way to die after eating a can of hairspray. Like, this is this is fucking madness. Um, anyway, Mario Lopez, who is kind of an unknown actor, he, um, he was on Kids Incorporated, if you uh, remember that show. He was like a principal extra on that. Uh, not one of the main kids. He was a drummer. And yet he gets so the Jackie Chan
2: treatment here, and they just call him Mario. Yeah. I feel yeah, like that's... that's uh... Right, that's an honor you have to earn, is what I have always assumed. Like if you just play yourself in every movie to the point where they just call you Jackie, yeah, you you earned that. I, I, nobody knows who Mario is. <laughs> I don't know if it's an honor. Maybe it swings both ways.
0: Like this is just he wouldn't answer to anything else. Um, yeah, to me it makes me think like
3: we couldn't come up with a like Latin name, so we just went with uh, the was. name of the
0: actor.
2: Yeah, that's right. This is like or 19- they
3: did,
0: and it was just too much. 87. Like, your, your name is, and they're like, oh, that's, uh, it sounds racist when you ladies say that. So Mario's being tutored by Dorothy. Brock, we haven't discussed how he looks. Brockway, how would you describe uh, 14-year-old Mario Lopez?
2: Uh, I would say he is a very, a very handsome child with like a kind of a curly mullet. He's dressed very fashionably for the time. And uh, if you look into his eyes, you will lose all sense of time and wither into a husk and blow away on the wind. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that's what I thought you were gonna say. What a misdirect! Uh, <laughs> so
0: uh, I did. I called Rue McClanahan an old woman earlier, but uh, she was fifty three when they filmed this episode. Fifty three. I'm fifty three. I'm gonna be that in six years. And that's crazy. Uh, I, what is she I mean, doing? Fucking
2: retired s- in Florida, living in. <laughs>
0: yes. I have a, a long career ahead of me. Still, I, uh, there's still ten girls from my high school that post bikini pictures on Facebook. And, uh, to be clear, I know this because Facebook is the horniest, most desperate website (laughs) on the internet. And if you've ever had a swimsuit on for any reason in the last year, Facebook will put that on my feet above my closest friend's new baby. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. I'm, it is, yeah, congratulations. I guess my point is they're still looking good. They did, they did make everyone in
3: this show look older. Like Sophia is actually around the same age as the other actresses and they Mm -hmm. had to like, like make her look significantly older in order to play the 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 mother.
2: They were all, they were all like in their, I want to say early sixties. All the rest of them, except for uh, except for yeah. Blanche. Um, uh, which is yeah, still you crazy. Use the word That's elderly. still a crazy age to be like. We've all retired. I'm gonna work until I die. Like my retirement plan is a bullet. If I'm lucky, what are they doing? Yeah. What are you doing? I think you we all just- relate to
0: that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you just quit working at fifty. <laughs> So my Thanks. wife and I have been watching like most of this show. As you, if you listen to the Baywatch episode, you know that we watch like mm-hmm. terrible, terrible old TV. This one's like right. very good compared to the stuff that we usually watch. There are some for sure jokes that are good. Even I'm in talking this shit about episode. this
0: so far, but Golden Girls is a pretty solid show.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, it's like one of those shows where something will happen in an episode, like dramatic, and then everything's back to normal in the in the next uh episode so Mm -hmm. three three of the husbands are dead um dorothy's uh divorced and her husband stan comes back occasionally for like schemes he's like he always has like a get rich quick scheme when he shows up i would say once once or twice a season he he guest stars and there's some sort of like weird plot around everyone getting rich they they definitely have a lot of plots that are very similar um in mm-hmm. in like strange ways there's also there were like two spin-offs of this show i did look up some uh, i'm sort of getting out of the episode here but whatever it's me um 20.8 <laughs> million <laughs> people watched this episode um i'm fairly sure that's
0: that fucking crazy that uh that's
3: nuts so the 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 highest rated show in uh the most recent season the 2022 2023 season was Sunday Night Football that's on uh NBC and that gets 18.1 mm-hmm. million people golden girls was like sixth in the ratings this week with 20 million people um the the like what's what's interesting is Monday Night Football, which was the one on broadcast TV then, was only sixteen point one million. So like that's the only show that has gone up in ratings in the thirty plus years since this right. has happened. Uh, I when I was watching this, my wife was like, is, "Was this always like a, a thing in the in like in the gay community? Like being a fan of this show." And I looked it up, and there was an article in The Stranger, the Seattle Alt Weekly. And apparently, yes, it said that at, like, gay bars in the 80s, they would play this at 9 p.m. when it came on. It was a Saturday evening show, um, which to me seems like not a night when anyone watches TV. So 21 million people were home watching this, plus apparently everyone in the gay
2: bars. Um, 21 million people <laughs> in gay bars across the country exclusively. Watching the this episode for this show, just getting down. Don't
0: know if the three of us are going to figure out why, but I, I don't quite get why. It's not like a. It's fine. I don't know. They're they're
3: they are all sort of in drag, like not in, like in like a different way. Yeah. But like,
0: and they're all just like a very broad character. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I guess that makes sense. It is a kind of a, like a broad show in a lot of ways where three characters will come on scene and they'll all be dressed in bright primary colors. It's like a good bar show because you can kind of look at it and you're like, I think I get what's going on. I, that shape is calling that shape a whore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And
2: then you can get back to your night. Die whore always gets a laugh. The gay bars. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that yeah, worked, they're actually. really catty, you know I guess. Yeah, I I've think come we solved ar- I've come
2: around on the die whore joke. I was too harsh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I, I have in my notes that B. Arthur is kind of a genius like it's really hard to give her a bad line like a lot of the lines they give her are bad but she kind of crushes all of them
2: yeah everybody's really good I won't yeah. agree that this is a universally well-written show because a lot of times they'll just have a setup to a joke and then the punchline and it will have nothing to do with one another and then just kind of leave the room like well <laughs> yes. forget about that one
0: like, like, uh, here's an example. Like, Mario Lopez just stinking up the place with his child acting. And he's, like, whining, why do I have to learn algebra? And B. Arthur immediately snaps back, because I had to learn how to teach it. And that is some shit you'd find on a t-shirt under a sign that says, like, gift ideas for substitute teachers. And she still <laughs> nails it. So I yeah. want the record to show that B. Arthur was great. Um, Mario, on the other hand, sucks. He's all whiny and smug. And he's, like, he's playing shit too big for the Golden Girls, which... <laughs> I think we can agree is how you signal rescue planes that you're a sitcom. I guess we've established that from, from our gay bar discussion. God, we're solving a lot of problems today. Uh, where are we at here? So, so B reads a paper written by Mario Lopez, and it sucks. Uh, and I guess this is like a mediocre writer trying to ba- write badly, and he nails it. Um, but the paper's about how America feels like you're always among friends. And Mario Lopez came up with this when he, was, he went to the movies. He's like, oh, wow, this is nice. Everyone's friends in America. And I'm summarizing it by maybe twenty percent. It's basically that. I think that's a five song. Everyone's friends in America. Everyone's friends in America. At least at the, the the showing of commando. She she also reads the
3: essay aloud and she reads it in like the third person. Like it seems like yeah, he wrote the weird. essay about himself, but used third person pronouns. It seems very,
2: very strange. Yeah, because he, he's not a person. That's how, that checks out. That one scans. <laughs> yes. The, the insects inside that husk. He would refer to his body as a thing. Right.
0: It's a, it, it kind of darkly foreshadows the splintering of our nation around the exact topic of people like him coming into our country, blowing the goddamn doors of our passenger jets. Just wanted to pull a line from today's headlines. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but there's that Alaska Airlines plane that the door blew off, and the right wing media has been trying to make that the fault of woke, uh, and I've been really enjoying it. I just, every, every day they find a new way that some that some like an DEI initiative.
3: Yeah, I I like kind of feel like woke is like now out because they've moved on to yeah. DEI and I feel like they got uh, that's just not as good. Like you got to explain what DEI is to someone and right. they're on a it's new issue that they're like like being like ag- like overly angry about or racist about uh by the time you've explained this. I feel like uh, like maybe everyone has made fun of that of like wokeness being a thing, you know, like like uh, yeah, like too much, the and they got to come up with something new. But they got to try like something else. I mean, no, I mean, actually, no, they don't. I'm happy for them to continue using DEI because I, I like. I think they say DEI because if they said what they wanted, even if they just said like diversity, that sounds really bad. But that's what they mean. <laughs> so maybe that's why they yeah. say DEI. Well, it does
2: stand for diversity. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's the D. <laughs> Wait, I don't want to get too off track, but but how was is- how was the plane door the fault of well, – did okay, they replace the, a perfectly good white I, door with a door I of color?
0: I believe it started because the pilot was a woman. But if you watch the tape, the woman's like, oh, shit, we just lost a door. Check out how cool I am. We're going to land this fucking plane anyway. Like, she's just like all business lands the plane, but somehow her being a woman implied pilot- that, like, that plane is, like, skipping the white supremacy of hiring only white pla- pilots. <laughs> and I don't know. And, and that's, that leads to issues, like doors blowing off. You get it. The first time I saw it was when
3: uh, someone I have I have him blocked on Twitter too, Elon Musk. But someone, you know, <laughs> people continue to like screenshot his tweets and share them in my feed because sure, yeah. And uh, he was replying to a guy who was retweeting a like legit white supremacist who mm-hmm. had said that like, oh, Boeing has a DEI initiative, and so this guy oh, said, interesting, that, you know, the average. SAT score of let's say the military academies I'm not positive this is right but like is this and the average SAT score of a historically black college is this so like this is why Ah. the pilot like this is why DEI is bad and then Elon Musk replied like DEI is going to kill someone when will we learn (laughs) and you know there's there's like a lot of things like weird about that like besides that it's just like terrible like do you think that it yeah. like do you think it's the average SAT score that becomes the pilot I, like but also like it's an SAT score that's not a thing you know there's a there are famous groups of <laughs> there are there's a at least one i think several famous like squadrons of black pilots um in in wars you know the Tuskegee airmen other other things uh that of course, you know sure. and like also like there are i believe that there's like a Like, famous thing where they had to change every pilot couldn't just be a military guy because they wouldn't listen to air traffic control and they would crash the plane. Um, (laughs) and they had to like diversify
0: the types of people who were pilots. Do you remember in Freakonomics? Did you read that book? Yeah. Um, most of that book has been pretty wildly debunked, but there's a whole chapter on how like Korean pilots like crash planes more often because of the culture, like. Refuses to question their superiors. Uh, I don't know. I, I, what, what is up? Once you get in the sky, I guess uh, all the rules about racism are out the window. You're like, all right, in the skies with sky law, white supremacy everywhere. I don't. I don't know. The I don't one know the thing rules. I remember about that
3: book is it like it shared that like urban legend, like the racist urban legend that's like, oh, a, a black couple named their kid like female because they oh, didn't yes. know that it was like yes. female, and like it shared it as real, and it's like. Man, like everyone who tells that knows it's a joke. I think, man, but not. But I guess not. I thought so, but not
0: Freakonomics.
3: Yeah. Anyway, this they this episode is, is
2: is not bad like any of that stuff. I did this. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, let's get back. Let's get back to the, the golden <laughs> girls, which is, I guess, what we're. Is it, I named both my daughters female. And it's funny every time.
0: It is funny. <laughs>
2: oh man, they're never going to get a job. Uh,
0: Dorothy wants to submit Mario's terrible essay about the time he enjoyed a movie, and mistook it for America's acceptance. Uh, she wants to submit that to some kind of a contest. And then uh, then we mostly talk about earrings. I wrote down, uh, shut up about the earrings. <laughs> uh, I, think, I, I think this might be an, an issue of like a man writing as a woman. Like, like If we went back and looked, I bet a lot of Golden Girls episodes, the A-plot would have been like these ladies just arguing about jewelry, or pantyhose, or whatever. Uh, like, guys, what do women talk about when we're not around? Earrings, good. What else? Earrings? No, we already have that. Earrings? Sure, I'll add it to the list. All well, this right, does let's see what we have.
2: to human slavery. It's. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So I mean, it's not all <laughs> that's true. Like it, it goes some places.
0: So the, yeah, the earring talks goes on. Uh, Brockway mentioned that these are family heirlooms forged by a great grandmother from the Civil War bullets that killed her great grandfather, who's <laughs> obviously a werewolf or mistaken for a werewolf. Uh, they hit the laugh track button a lot during this story, but I assume that's just a mistake because no one wrote jokes. Uh, so, and then Rose feels bad. She's like, oh, I lost these very important earrings. I will be your Uh, I have a clip of this, and this clip, I think, precisely sums up how I remember this show.
1: For one week, I am going to be your personal Wiedenfrügen. <laughs> Can one woman do that for another?
2: <laughs>
1: Only if they're the same height. Standing 69. What the hell is a Wiedenfruggen? frug Frugen. It's a personal servant. It's the only way to make up for something like this. Oh, we've done it in my family for years. Ever since Uncle Ben lost Lars Olsen's artificial leg. <laughs> was the day of the big four-county toboggan race, and without his leg, Lars came in dead last. <laughs> oh, that was a day to remember. I think every American remembers where he was the day Lars lost that toboggan race.
2: How is that a 9-11 joke? Just, that's <laughs> prescient. That's telepathic. Because <laughs> that's very, a 9-11 yeah. joke.
0: <laughs> I, uh, so, okay, so in sitcom language, uh, Rose is a Joey and a Balky, so, she'll reference just weird foreign nonsense while being an idiot. And I in most that. shows, that'd be enough. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, she's like, I'm going to be a Bergen Schumann," And then, like, another character mistakes it for a sex thing. We heard. We heard that. Uh, and Golden Girls does that. But only because Blanche's one personality trait is her gaping holes. But the show goes further. <laughs> and they give <laughs> they give, like, a whole story about this dumb thing, which was maybe a joke, but maybe something only joke-like. But anyway... Uh, this is the show I remember. Like, um, the structure is I'm foreign. I'm interrupting because I'm horny. I'm interrupting because you're stupid. I continue being foreign as if neither of you said anything. My reaction to that is, fuck you, you subhuman idiot. And then that's the scene. So if anyone's ever doing a Golden Girls parody, that's the structure.
3: There, There's like a stage show now where people do Golden Girls. I saw it advertised during RuPaul. It looks really bad. You said about how, like, the, you know, like, like, B. Arthur's lines really work, even though, like, they were kind of hacky. And I think that that's why they do this. uh, St. Olaf is for, she's from in Minnesota, which is foreign. Uh, And, like, there's just so many things where it's just the character that the the actor is just sort of like reacting exasperated to the weird things she says. And they're all good enough actors that it kind of works. Um in like a weird in a weird way that it shouldn't. I love the Saint I, I agree shit. completely. That's, the, on that's paper, my favorite part. You say what was your favorite part?
2: i the Saint all the Saint Olaf shit. I love that. Yeah. I love the yep. weird absurdism, the very simple like I love I it's almost subversive taking like the oh those wacky foreigners and then making them just from like somewhere in Minnesota. Like, I think that's right. a good meta joke on that on that stereotype. Well uh okay, so B
0: enters the next scene. And she's just here to announce that Mario's essay won. Like, it all, it's all done. And they must have had some fucking terrible entries because that essay sucked. Uh, I, I don't know what's going on. The, the boy with the adorable dimples and no soul wrote 140 words about movie theater and how it showed movies. We award him the Junior Latin Daytime Pulitzer. Hooray! So that's where we are in the story. Uh, they decide to throw him a surprise party. Uh, which seems like... Uh, a lot, I guess, to find out your twice-monthly after-school tutor has uh, gotten together <laughs> with her three elderly friends to enter you into a contest, which you won, and surprise, this is a party for it. Like, if that happened to me, I would immediately fight my way out of that obvious trap. That's a fucking... That's a piece of a pizza basement trap, right Right there? Yes. That's, you know. Absolutely. You know you gotta get out of there. So Rose tells a great surprise party story. Uh, Dan Brockway, do either of you remember the details of, of Rose's St. Olaf surprise
2: party story? I don't have them exactly, but there is a, there were multiple deaths, right? <laughs> There's at least There's one a body death. count. Uh, I do have a clip
0: of it, so I want to see how close you can get to the details. I have no
3: memory of what this. I have like I watched it like <laughs> twice. I have extensive notes, but I do I not have she's any.
2: Notes. Final Destination style killed several several men. All of them, her husbands. <laughs> Uh, You're close. We'll we'll see how close you are.
1: I've only been to one surprise party in my life, but I'll never forget it. It was for Grandma Nyland's 100th birthday. (laughs) She was from a whaling village in the old country, so we kind of made that the theme of the party. We all dressed as Vikings with helmets and spears. (laughs) We all crowded into her little room up over the barn. And she walked in and lit a candle and we all surprise. She dropped dead right there.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was right. Uh, I, yes, I really like the laugh track
0: after the she dropped dead right yes,
2: there.
0: Nice. <laughs> she just hammered that button. Just like that is huge, huge laugh after that.
2: Now, I think we might have skipped a line here that I wanted to really dive into, which is after, okay. after Dorothy explains what a, what a Veedenfroogen is. Right. Uh, Blanche says, if we had them in the old days, we wouldn't have had to fight that disruptive civil war.
3: Yeah, <laughs> that is the line I was talking about earlier. It's
2: uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty fucked I up. I figured I, I agree. Um, we I need actually, sla- the world needs slaves is what Blanche <laughs> says. I'm starting to, I'm really regretting like calling out the die horror joke because I think that's, I think it's earned
3: they like they they did kind of have them in the old days that's kind of what the civil like that is what the civil war was about Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: yep i found that um i was looking up i was trying to see like how bad golden girls was about race and basically i started by um googling if uh blanche devereau ever fucked a black dude which i figured is where that show would have started um i found an article (laughs) called 10 time okay let me get this right uh (laughs) (laughs) ten times the golden girls was tone deaf about race uh and most of these were like offensive but not in 1987 you'd probably like allow it uh like Sophia called prince that little black guy prince which i was like "Eh, i don't like that but um there's one time they worry their jamaican housekeeper is a witch and they do reference this episode but none of the mario lopez stuff they only reference that line that you guys mentioned um uh the, the author says, Earth to Blanche, we did have them in the old days, millions of them. That disruptive civil war was all about Vietnam Frugans. So he's really clapping back on Ruma Clanahan ten years after she died. Oh, um, one episode they did do a little a little light blackface. Uh they were in facial masks. Uh that yes, um but it was coincidentally in the episode when Dorothy's son got engaged to a black woman, and uh then when Sophia Sophia walks in and sees them and she says, What is this? A revival of Raisin in the Sun? So uh I don't think anyone would have written that joke today. Uh, but most of the rest of them were I, I think the woke mob would allow. I this feels like um, There's there's
3: one where they go to the Caribbean and at like the there's some very stereotypical
0: characters who like wait yeah, on they, them, uh but It's not it's not They did worry that their um Jamaican housekeeper was a witch. Yeah, that's a that's
2: I don't know. 1987, yeah. man, they didn't put a minority in a box and sink it in a lake. So I'm going to give them a pass. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it feels like they're trying to tackle it in uh, an ignorant way, I guess, by today's standards. But you know. I feel like this
2: is probably pretty progressive by 1987 standards. Yes, I, I don't disagree.
0: Uh, there's a story uh, of, of Mario winning the contest in the newspaper. And Dorothy's like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. There's a picture of me in there. And do you remember this? Did you guys have this in your notes? Yeah.
3: yeah the they, color.
0: they look at the photo
3: and it's terrible. But uh-huh. I don't understand how she could have surprise entered him in the, in the contest if there's a photo of, of her or them in the newspaper. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe awesome. I'm, thinking, I'm thinking it too much.
2: Lots of them to choose from. Yeah, they, she says, I always look ugly in photos. And then they open the paper and she says, God, that's the, that's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. And then there's just Jeez. like dead weird silence.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's not a misdirect. So I guess Blanche's other personality trait is she's just a full sociopath. That's kind of uh, true. Yeah, from watching the other episodes. Yeah. So now Mario comes in for the surprise party. And <laughs> I have a clip. Right on his tail is an immigration naturalization agent.
1: Oh, this is great! What a surprise! But it's not my birthday. I know, honey. We're celebrating your winning that contest. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you. Oh, uh, we're so very, very proud of it. Never mentioned before. She just can't can Yeah, answer never. This is very very about very <laughs> <laughs> yes. Dorothy's Bornek? I- yes. My name is Bert Nesbitt. I'm looking for Mario Sanchez. The school said he might be here. Yeah, see, is something wrong? I'm with the Immigration and Naturalization Service. We have reason to believe that Mario is in this country illegally. Mario? <laughs> <you> <laughs> no
0: <do>
2: one <laughs> says shit. No one does shit. Swelling or <laughs> Take us out on the oh. INS coming to grab a child. <laughs> I love it. That swelling It's kind of there. the same... <laughs>
0: It's like the same way they wrote the earrings plot line. Like, what do what do Latino kids do? Let's see, they go to the movies, sure. They, they, they get deported, yeah, great. Uh-huh. They get kicked out of the country. we have already got it. Uh, deportation, all right. Let's go over what we have so
2: far. Um, <laughs> I wrote down like I wrote down very sarcastically, like the INS is just <laughs> reading local flavor news stories and hunting down <laughs> yes. every. Every person of color shown within. Wait, I'm sorry. That's exactly correct.
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Checks out. I can't believe how mean the episode is to him. He gets to enjoy this surprise party for like less than 30 seconds before
2: the INS
3: shows up at his tutor's house? How how does this work?
2: Like the fugitive. Crazy. This is the Tommy Lee Jones of INS agents. Just. (laughs) relentless we had
0: the film technology like bachelor party had come out they could have faded out faded back in with like a mariachi band passed down on the floor a donkey loose in the room like show that they had a fucking wild party and then ins is there and
2: you know because of how crazy your party got yeah that's even better
0: uh they they hey we we hear about the noise complaint and wait a second you're that kid from the paper you're here illegally what what do you
3: mean I also like that they name the INS agent. He's like, my name's Burt Nesbitt.
2: Mm -hmm. Who gives a shit? Just like... (laughs) Never comes up again. (laughs) Yeah. Pardon me, this will never come up again.
3: The other thing must have been a plot point that they cut, where there's a girl at school he likes, and they forgot and left in the, like, I
2: heard your whatever name was there. Like, what? Right. It's called world building. You just... (laughs) Details to... I really believe that Florida exists based on on all of the things I can't quite see, but that they reference.
0: I heard your girlfriend did hand stuff with you because you won an essay contest. She sure did. Tudor, Tudor's friend, Tudor's elderly friend. (laughs) Uh, So now the ladies, uh, we come back in and they're discussing how they ruined Mario's life because they did. Uh, and then Blanche hijacks the conversation with just raw narcissism. It is this long, meandering story, and the other characters actually say, what the fuck was the point of that story? <laughs> but the point is, it's barely 20 seconds, and they've already forgotten about Mario, the ch- <laughs> the child that got deported. Um, they do get a phone call to remind them. Um, they tell the uh, Arthur that Mario has run away. And so they're like, God, where would he go? And they're like, wait a second. We know two things about this character. He likes movies and gets deported.
2: Mexico. <laughs>
0: he went back to Mexico. He ran away. Wait, no, the movie. let's
2: try the movie theater first.
0: <laughs> and sure enough, he's there. They find him in a... 16 seat movie theater and just go in and have this thing that fucking pisses me off so bad when characters they do this on always sunny where the characters go and have a loud conversation because they're terrible people but they do it on every show where they'll just go into a movie theater and have a conversation
2: i like that they 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 call they call his tutor to tell tell he's run away he's in i want to say act two of what they're implying is commando uh so he's been (laughs) gone a grand total of an hour and they're like, gotta, I, gotta let the tutor know uh, he's been gone an hour. <laughs> she's got to bring him back so he can get deported. I'm worried he's not going to get deported in time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's hard to say. It was like an amalgamation of all Arnold movies. They mentioned he was oiled up and in a loincloth. So time-wise, that's Conan of the destroyer. But I did hear machine guns. So I, I feel like they weren't trying too hard. Dorothy talks him into throwing himself on the mercy of the court. She's like, sit th- in the movie theater. She's like, dude, you got to turn yourself in. And he agrees. And next scene, it, the hearing's already happened. It all happened off camera. It did
2: not go well. He got fucking deported. <laughs> I thought I wrote down in this scene, she gives him this long speech about how you have to go back and face the music. You have to trust the system. Remember, you wrote, Everyone in America is your friend. You need to trust that everyone in America is your friend. And the and he ends that scene going, like, yeah, you're right. I'm gonna go trust the system. Smash cut, he's fucking deported. Like, what?
0: <laughs> That's the lesson everyone has to learn the hard way.
2: And the show didn't uh, go like, oh man, like we were wrong to trust. They were just like, well, that sucks. He did the right thing though. Yeah. She, she like first accidentally gets him
3: like potentially being t- deported. Then she has a chance to, to like fix it when she sees him at the movie theater. And then she like intentionally gets him. Deported. And like it ends with like in a, the conversation goes, in America, you always feel like you're among friends. Like, that's what you wrote. And he's like, that was just a story. And she's like, I think it was a true story. Nope, it wasn't, according to this episode. You're
2: wrong. It was not. <laughs> they could have just yeah. like a big red stamp on the end of that scene that just says deported. And then and that's the end of the episode.
3: She also says. There are legal ways to keep you in this country, and I will find them myself. She has not done anything yet. She hasn't like hired him an immigration lawyer. Nope. She hasn't like doesn't even know what paperwork to fill she out. She hasn't. She, she literally almost him, says like, that. Like yeah, and it's like what? Why? Like what? Like. They, there's an episode where, like, the, the, there's, I don't know, dolphins are being endangered by something. And, like, all the, all the Golden Girls, like, go to a protest and do marches for it. And, like, they do nothing for this kid who they, at first accidentally and then intentionally got kicked out of the country.
2: Double, (laughs) double deported. (laughs) I just want to point out, like, he's not doing the 1987 fake foreign accent. He's just perfect, flawless English, full <laughs> slang of like a yeah. teenager. He has clearly lived here most, if not all, of his life. <laughs> and then when they get him deported, they're like, well, he went home. <laughs> I, loved, I loved that. I had that in my notes.
0: Home. Home, um, huh? Yeah, he does, he does actually speak Spanish a couple times. He says like, adios, teach. But he says it like I just did. He doesn't like slip yeah, into no an accent yeah, at yeah, all. He, like, like,
3: he is American, like, in, like he yeah, maybe, he's yeah. He's just fully American uh there's a there's a couple angry imdb reviews about about this episode uh i like the one that opens this episode has bothered me for years mainly because of the incorrect way immigration cases are presented and because of the inaction on the part of dorothy to actually help mario uh And then, like, first, it is unlikely, especially in Miami, that a deportation hearing would be held the day after INS picked someone up. That is another point. This show is in Miami, a heavy immigrant city, uh, and it is, I assume it filmed in California, you know, but um, it is highly unlikely that the immigration judge would have ordered the boy deported the next day. Most judges would give the person (laughs) time to find a lawyer. (laughs) So, like, yeah,
0: yeah, Dorothy does- You gotta let- their after-school tutor figure out the paperwork to fill out. That's something a judge would normally do. They don't establish that he has any family. Like
3: who he he is from? Sort of like an unnamed uh, like Latin country. They don't they don't uh, like e- like explain. And then you know like she has to leave, and like you know, or he has to leave, and she's <laughs> like, "Then I'll do it myself, and we'll get you back here." I promise. No, that was a lie. She never does anything with it
2: again. Well, I mean, we show them forgetting about that in the next scene. She says, I'll do everything I can. And then they sit down to have like a funny exchange about St. Olaf's again. Like, that's how we go out. We don't go out on like,
0: oh, no. Yeah, they resolve the earrings plot. Some guy comes by to drop off all the jewelry that fell off Blanche when she was fucking him on his couch. And he doesn't even say, want to say hi. He's like, hey, uh, I fucked your roommate last week. Here's all the jewelry. Uh, do you have any idea how loveless a hookup has to be where you stop by someone's house the next week and, like, don't even ask her roommate to call her in? Just to, just to say, I can't stay, but, like, nice to see you. Here's just to drop of the, off.
2: Just. Here's all of the shiny things that flew off her when I banged her, like Sonic the Hedgehog hitting a spike. Uh, I gotta go. <laughs> I,
0: don't, I don't have five seconds to just... Oh, so fucking funny. Um, so... Okay, so I guess, where are we at here? I don't know. I, I guess when Mario, Mario gets deported and Dorothy's like, oh, well, that's too bad. Uh, oh, what's that? Rose is being stupid? Shut up, dummy. What are we talking about? I don't know. Almost certainly menopause, right? Hot flashes? Mine are more like a hot disco light show. Okay. Uh, this is, I wrote us a little Golden Girls play. Uh, I'm going to paste our lines into the chat Ooh, window. Broadway. Brockway. Okay. You're a natural, Dorothy. Uh, Dan, I know from the hit film, Mannequin, that you and Estelle Getty have been in the same mall. So you're Sophia. We have. Uh, in real life, I'm a Rose and a Blanche. So I'll be playing Rose <laughs> and Blanche. Um, <laughs> so here, let me get this all copied here. We're coming in on the hot flashes line.
2: Brockway, Dorothy, Okay, uh, can Dorothy you bring us in on that? Be B. Arthur? I had them reverse. I yeah. thought Dorothy was Betty White. Um, Betty no, White's that's Rose. Rose. Yeah. OK. Yeah, I got to recalibrate. Your BR
0: <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> yeah.
2: Hot flashes. Mine are more like a hot disco light show.
0: In Saint Olaf, the town didn't have a disco. We had to drape Christmas lights on a donkey and give it diarrhea. My uncle Jürgen was killed this way. We now celebrate Uncle Jürgen's death on Durkenspugen, which means death by endless poop. But in donkey,
2: fuck you, idiot. <laughs>
0: I met a Jürgen last week. Well, I don't know if that was his name, but a Jürgen did all three of my holes before he dropped dead. Dorothy, these two are driving me
3: crazy. I want to die. Kill me with a knife.
2: Uh, if killing you with a knife was that easy, Dad would have done it the first time he made dinner.
3: Ha! The only time that man went into a kitchen was to die with a floppy dick. Uh, <laughs> wonderful. What a show. What a show. I what think a we could do lead. our own Golden Girls stage show.
2: Yeah, I'm telling you, I I pitched it earlier and everything went dead silent. But I'm saying Golden Guys hasn't been done. Golden Guys. Anyway,
0: Mario Lopez never came back. Mario Lopez (laughs) as Mario, the Golden Girls TV series 1987, one episode. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, he got deported entirely because of Dorothy's
3: meddling. My guess is that the original script for this was way more sympathetic to him instead of like fake sympathetic to him and the network made them change it for fear of offending, like, Republicans. Uh, but I don't know. <laughs> that's I don't know, if that's, idea, I don't know yeah. if that's true or not. We should call up the Modern Family showrunner and ask him.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, you remember
2: this fucking thing you did? <laughs> Are <laughs> you just going to say, I didn't need to look up uh, whether or not Mario Lopez was in another. I got the vibe from this episode. Like, <laughs> like oh, no, she didn't do any. It's, yeah, this is complete first. storytelling. You told me with the end of this episode she immediately forgot about that and was just like "Nah, I'm not going to do any of that I just wanted wanted him to think I was nice and I think it very much was a true story I think Dorothy was right I mean it's okay and in, those, in this one instance it is a net good because it got rid of Mario Lopez but <laughs> in as a general precedent I don't think this was uh this was something to
0: follow you normally need to like tent an entire building to get rid of a Mario
2: Lopez yeah if he lays eggs I mean you can't You gotta just burn like a whole town down. There's no telling like who those (laughs) eggs have crawled into and which Mario, which will become Mario Lopez afterwards. Like it's, it's salt (laughs) the earth. I don't think it's that hard. I just
3: hit the block button on Twitter.
1: Einstein, Hunter, Frankfurt. (laughs)
0: Einstein, Hunter, Frankfurt. A stunde.
2: The Supremes were city-smart kids grifting their way off the street until they were framed for a crime they didn't commit. one Hot dog mounted an appeal to put them back on the street, this time in business casual as a private mercenary force. Together they are Hot Dog and Supremes. Starring Aaron Croston, Adrian H., Aiden Moat, Alpha Scientist Javo, UnAndy, Armando Nava, with special guest star Badger as Bone Bony Sam Sampson, Benjamin Syranin, Bim Talzer, Brendan Garlock, Burrito, Cyril, Chase, Clementine Danger, featuring Craig Lemoyne and Cuevas as the Rappin' Quakers, Dan B. David Shull, Dean Costello, Devin the Rogue Supreme. The role of Naked President is played by Drayson, Dusty's Rad Title, Eric Rion is the Master Ninja, Every Everyzig, Fancy Shark, Gareth is the Master of Ninjas, Jellaho, Greg Cunningham, Hambone, Haraka is Ninja Master 9000, Harvey Penguini, Hot Fart, Honk, Jaber Al Aiden, James Boyd as corrupt politician. James Boyd. Jeff Oresky. Jim Salter. John Dean. John McCammon. John Minkoff. Joseph Searles as himself. Josh S. Joshua Graves. Justin B. as typhoid urchin number six. Ken Paisley, KM. Kyle Campbell as urchin master 9000. Lisa. M. Jahi Chappelle, featuring the musical talents of MC Mark, Toronto Mac Mahoney, Matt Riley, Max Baroy, Michael Lair, with special guest star Mickey Lohman as the Knife Boy, Mike Styles, Moju. The role of Mr. Bob Gray will be played tonight by Mr. T in Unoffensive Wig, N.D., Neil Bailey is corpulent Louisiana conman number 17. Neil Schaefer, Neku104, Nick Ralston, Ozzy Olin, Patrick Herbst, Rachel, Rhiannon is corpulent Louisiana conman master 9000. Tzarkovsky, Sean Chase, spotty reception, supernaught, featuring Tan Tan the murderous orangutan, Ted H. Thomas Cavazos, Timmy Leahy, Tommy G, Toasty God plays Judge Rajum McBlaster, Velo plays Dr. Blast McRagem, Booster plays Professor Stevenson, Waylon Russell, Yanis Ioannidis, with special guest star Brian Saylor as The Street Pope. I'm afraid it's your world against mine, Mr. T, and who are they going to believe, some convicted felon? Or the man who blesses the rats. (laughs) Hot dog and supreme.